As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Outdoor Show. I'm Bob Sims. Thank you for tuning in today. It's going to be uh, a nice day. I don't know if the fog is down in the valley still, but uh, I hope it isn't uh, because we're going to get some rain. <laughs> I was just looking this morning, and um, I think starting Monday night, there's at least a 50% chance of rain Monday night, Tuesday, Wednesday, 40% chance, Thursday, Friday, 50% chance on Christmas, and who knows what that could turn into. And, of course, as soon as those clouds hit the hills, uh, for example, up by where I live near Placerville, uh, those percentages go way up at each day. So uh, we're going to get a lot of rain in the hills where at least we have a chance to capture some of that water this week. Folsom Lake has gone up several feet, and at the beginning of the week, of course, they dropped the speed limit because the, the, what triggers that is when Folsom Lake reaches 400 feet in elevation above sea level, then the state park thinks it's safe for us to boat there. So uh, that happened, and the, the boat ramp, the Hobie ramp at Brown's Ravine is open with docks in there. Uh, the Granite Bay ramp is open, and any day now they're going to uh, go to a better ramp at Granite Bay, and then it's not going to be too fo long before Folsom Point opens. In fact, it might be close, but uh, so that'll be access to Folsom Lake. Uh, although the water's a little cloudy up there right now, and speaking of that, Don Paganelli is going to join us later on because he fished it yesterday, and uh, it's the first time I think he's been on it in a year and a half. 
Um, maybe he went out when it was a five mile an hour speed limit. I'm not sure, but you know that, that all of a sudden you get out on that lake, you want to go fish somewhere. You realize how big a lake that is when there's a five mile an hour speed limit. You can spend half your time doing that. But we'll get reports there. We'll get reports on the American River with Steelhead, which, you know, we've been saying forever that the middle of November you're going to find a few of those early winter run fish. Well, they found a few of them. Not a lot of them, but one seven pounder, a four pounder, and that's just with two guys that we're going to talk to. And so, and a few half pounders. So, just that even though the American doesn't come up, it goes off color, and then the pressure of a storm makes those steelhead go. So uh, that's that's a good sign for the upcoming weeks. We will, uh, of course, find out this hour what's going on duck hunting. Um, the refuges, the averages in refuge, uh, not bad. You know, you got two birds here, three birds here per day, uh, per hunter. And the problem is the number one bird almost everywhere is spoonbill, you know, the shoveler. So if you're going to get a mixed bag of birds, there's guarantee you're going to get a few spoonies in there. That's just the way it is this year, a lot of spoonies. Um, however, it'll be interesting to hear how the weather affected the duck hunting and of course the upcoming weather is going to affect it if you want to sit out in it and of course there's always going to be uh, periods of time where it'll be very doable um robbie dunham has been fishing comanche lake you know when we get into the winter months we have a little different techniques you know robbie trolls mostly speeders speedy shiners of course last week what he did just to I mean, not to be stuck on speedy shiners, but he trolled uh, rebels and rapalas and caught a whole bunch of fish too at the same depth, you know, which is under the, in the top ten feet of water on long lines. So uh, you don't have to stick with it. it; it changes, and you can catch them on speedy shiners at certain times in the winter. But now's when you slow way down and you fish with grubs. So it'll be interesting to see if he found out that we are on a grub bite there. In fact, uh, Kyle Wise, who's also going to join us, talking about the big trout that are starting to show at New Malonis, also went to uh, Comanche, and they trolled a little bit, but they also took their boat. And I related to this because I used to do this all the time. It was so much fun. I'd use the boat. I'd go out, pull it up on the shore, and bait fish for trout. <laughs> it's just it's it's a no-brainer and it can be so much fun you can catch some big fish that way so it'll be fun to talk to him um we're still looking for the elusive stripers you know the the water the sacramento river blew out the salmon fishing which ended in our area uh thursday you couldn't fish it thursday that was a shame because we had a great run a late fall run salmon going they're still fishing for them up north uh and catching them uh even in cloudy water in the upper sacramento river but anyway uh mark wilson will join us and and, and he's got some plans what he's going to do and, and this water should trigger something you know not so soon but by next week, I gotta believe things are gonna start happening with stripers. Uh, Rob Reimer's uh, 
is planning on going to Bullard's Bar. He's also going to have a little a peek into Lake Orville because we haven't heard much about that since that water came up in order for us to launch boats. But uh, we'll get a little peek there. You know, when that lake is muddy, it's hard to catch salmon. And we now we don't know how big a salmon are in there. We knew there were some big ones last year or, or earlier this year, I should say. And all through the summer, and then we it shut down. We couldn't fish it anymore, so got so low. Anyway, um, we'll get kind of a peek into that. And uh, Rob's got another new video out on how to tie a stinger hook <clears throat> to the back end of something like, uh, you know, a Brad's lure, a, a, either a cut plug or a flatfish, quick fish type lure. And uh, he's even got a video out on showing how a that kind of saved a big salmon, that stinger hook. So that's interesting. Um, we are also going to have uh, Peter Tier, the Department of Fish and Game, on later this hour. Christmas Day, all the refuges are closed, okay? But there's going to be staff on hand to get the lottery picks for Sunday. And remember, Sunday is going to be just like a Saturday because nobody's shooting in the refuges on Saturday. So uh, we'll have that interview there. Um, Jay Kelly at Hooked has got a roundup for us on what's going on at Amador as far as trout fishing. And then also a little bit on uh, Comanche bass and New Malona's bass. So we got a good report there going. Uh, Shannon Ng up at the fly shop. Uh, he's going to talk about Trinity River fly fishing uh, in the upper section of river, the extreme upper section. It's a good year on the Trinity. In fact, I checked the uh, Junction City Weir, and um, they, they're having one of the maybe the top 5% of steelhead runs they've had in the last 20 years and big fish. And we'll get another report there from Matt Mitchell. We'll also get a little report on the Upper Sacramento up by Dunsmere, you know, which stays open all year. A few people have been working that, catching some nice fish. Um, and then the Upper Klamath, the extreme Upper Klamath, um, always has got fish in it. Gets crowded with uh, the drift boats up there, and a lot of them just, well, they just haven't figured out how that many boats can fish together. Cohesity. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Kenny Priest uh, is going to fill us in on the Smith River in Northern California and other rivers. You know, these big storms, they blow through, and the salmon that have been waiting out in the ocean come through. By the time the river drops enough to fish, the salmon are up the river where you can't get at them. So it's just a dilemma. However, the good news, the first to the steelhead, have moved in there so there's lots going on and we're going to bring it all to you in the next two hours and 45 minutes on the kfpk outdoor show thanks for being here okay well for the first time this year the bay area fishermen in bodega bay and Athlone bay have been able to use the conventional crab pots and i bet i know a guy who's just very happy about that and he's on with us now andy giuliano of fish emeryville good morning good morning bob how are you a lot of good good smiling faces out there 
Yeah, very good. But, uh, probably more from the deckhands because they don't have to do so much work right now anymore to uh, to run through all these tubes. <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. they were the happiest ones. But uh, but yeah, I think you, you know, we're we're just we're working through this trap validation too. I just want to mention that you know everybody has to have this two dollar and forty two cent trap validation uh, for pot. It's a it's an it's a fishing game tax, and they call it a validation. Yes, and I was just going to say, uh, I think you catch the crab faster than it takes to get the validation. <laughs> Whoever set up the process for the Department of Fish and Wildlife uh, needs to go back to uh, to school to design the system. Well, it's look what you're working with. Boy, particularly for um, youths, you know, under 16 without an ID, it's very, very cumbersome. And yeah. uh, so I just put that out. You gotta, if people got it. Uh, are, are you talking yeah. about the process of getting that validation online? Yes. If you're doing it online, yeah. or in, we, you know, we're a licensed agent, so we have the kiosk and all the updated software on it. But it's uh, it's very fumbly. So um, just let people know if you're going to show up here in the next you know month or so. So, and I think we're going to have some good crabbing. The crabbing was exceptional. And you know, most of the guys took a short load of pots out yesterday 10 15 or 20 pots um because they had customers on board and uh, we weren't really sure what to expect on the crab but uh look it was really good crabbing everybody got limits and you know we're not not much work to get them in terms of the pot so there's a there's a good uh, a good supply of nice healthy crab out there which was really yeah. pleasant to see you know and on top of all this you think in the last few years, of course, we haven't been talking about crabbing that much because it's been closed so often. But look at the opportunities that the weather is giving us this year. Yeah, and that's going to be a big, uh, a big item to contend with here as we go in the next, uh, whether through the end of the year or into January. People are going to have to pick the days when you get a good day of weather and you want some crab. You're going to have to make yeah. your adjustment in your schedule to get out there, but. But yeah, I mean, we're you know, it is we're getting a really good winter, and that's really important for the salmon. And we see the benefits of that in the spring with the halibut and the striped bass too. So, sure, uh, we do have to navigate around the weather right now, but uh, but it pays dividends in the long run for sure. Plus, there's another element there that we're not used to having, and that's water. <laughs> yeah. I have not seen any photos or updates from Orville or Shasta, but I have to I have to think that they're jet, they're rising ridiculously. They're they're all rising and and they're rising uh several feet a week and so and that's going to increase because they're not letting any water out because they mismanaged it so bad the last 2 years as we've said many times. However, yeah. um like you take the Sacramento River system, Andy, all the creeks, think of how many miles it is. I mean, just road miles from Sacramento to Redding is, what, 167 miles? And a heck of a lot more river miles. And all the creeks that come in from both sides of that river, uh, you know, that river might get up to 15,000 cubic feet per second, and it's all creeks. So it's capable of dumping a bunch of water into the system which to me starts the whole health of the ecosystem down to the brackish water and into the bay and all that makes for good seasons now and like you say even into the salmon and the whole works 
Yeah, it is. It's the core of what, of what goes on here. That's when when you see people in Sacramento say, you know, that it's the water going just being wasted as it rolls out underneath the Golden Gate. Don't have a real understanding. That's of that. pure ignorance. Pure ignorance. Anybody yeah. says that, you know, they're not very smart and feel sorry for them. <laughs> yeah, you're you're in a, a yeah you're in a in a fight you're not going to win because they don't understand it. But, but yeah, it sets everything up. Every uh, the whole system works off of that and and like i said even for us down here our fishing in july and august inside the bay you know is benefited by this type of weather we get this time of year sure you better believe it you better believe it real good good to see there so has the weather been good kind enough to allow the boats to get out to the islands yeah, we didn't we didn't have trips the first couple days of the week here because of the weather that front that moved through and Uh uh-huh took a toll uh, but yeah every all the trips except for one we have one of the six pack boats that's fishing the coast but everybody else made it to the islands yesterday and the water temperatures did drop but the fish fish were still biting and um so we had full limits of uh of uh, rockfish at the islands and then full limits of crab too okay what's the latest with lingcod you're not mentioning that in these reports yeah, there's just there's not much time to, to to allocate to that when you figure the traveling distance back and forth. And then yesterday they had to wait till 9 a.m. to be able to put the pots in the in the water. So it's really rockfish and crab. You'll get an incidental link cod or two, you know, on a, just uh-huh. by, by sheer fishing. But they really don't have a, a chance to fish and dedicate time to link cod. Um, we have one boat, the Sea Wolf, that has a few rock cod, lean cod trips sprinkled in amongst the rest of the crab combo trips. So if somebody's looking for a pure fishing trip right now, um, that would be the direction to go. Yeah. Um, so, and and the, is the quality of the rockfish holding up along the coast for the six-packers? There's, it's a good mix of, of coastal fish. It's not the, the, the island fishing is clearly better. Um, and up until this last storm, the, you know, there was some nice mix of black rockfish, blues, browns, you know, collection of those coastal fish that was really nice. Um, then you know, when we had one of the boats last week had a light load that didn't want a crab. And they did have limits of link cod and rock cod fishing up along the coast. So it's a matter of people dedicating uh, dedicating the time to it. And uh, and you've got to go up into some of the protected waters down at the lower section of Drake's Bay. Um, that water tends to stay a little more protected, doesn't get the big ground swell. Yeah. And uh, those near, near shore fish will bite a little better as you go up in okay. there. Okay, yeah, okay. you got to go fishing a little bit more along the coast, that's all. Yeah, you do. We're on some big tides right now, so the little areas on the Marine Coast or even Duxbury is a you know is a little uh, exposed to the weather. I would say you got to go up the coast a little bit more. But uh, yeah, okay. Some good reports of guys down at Pillar Point too that were fishing uh, fishing along the coast there too. Um, there was a um, depth restriction for not for your area, but for the Monterey area. I think of. Uh, 60 fathoms and uh in other words you couldn't put out crab hoops or traps uh uh deeper than that which i thought was odd because they go to your area and down they where they're going they have a depth restriction in the deepest part of the coast monterey bay i don't get it (laughs) 
Well, I, I will. Not that you'll agree or understand it, Bob, but what the what the the people on the whale side will say once as the whales exit the Gulf of the Fairlands, they go outside forty fathoms, and then they go and they move down the coast very fast. So, the science, whatever you you know, or it's it's witchcraft or smoke screens or whatever, they would. So that area below Pigeon Point was open to crab fishing inside forty fathoms, closed outside forty fathoms, on the belief that as the whales departed Northern California, they tend to stay outside forty fathoms as they move south to Boston. I see. I see. I think we ought to uh, replace the word science with agenda in some of these cases. It's just it's just written words. That's all it is. Somebody wrote it somewhere, and it's the best yeah. available quote well, unquote. Right. Well, remember when uh, at, when this when those closures first started? When right around the time the crab season for sports guys opens the first Saturday in November. You know, I'm on the phone to the department, to the guy that really handles the crab stuff, and I said, you know, if you're worried about, uh, uh, you know, whales out over 200 feet of water or whatever, uh, then why don't you put a depth restriction so that at least the guys could go, well, we, we can't do that because we need a contour line out of And it was just, I thought, who am I talking to? This guy doesn't. This guy doesn't put his effort into making something happen. It's like he puts his effort into not making something happen. Yeah, we and we did we did the same thing that we suggested that at uh, back on November five was to open this area up inside thirty fathoms, uh, but you know it was just fell on deaf ears. Yeah. So well, anyway, we're open now, and hopefully the weather will will hold um, so more and more people can get out there and get crab. Now, um, what about the commercial season? That's not so open gonna, yet. Right. They'll, they agreed to set their gear. Uh, the department established at 8 a.m. on the December 26th is when they'll set their gear to be able to harvest starting on the 29th. So most of that crab should make it to the market by New Year's Eve. Yeah, shame it couldn't make it to the market by Christmas Eve. Yeah, there was some debate about that, and in the end, um, they postponed it to the 26th. So, um, I'm, they've still got to do some of their regular stuff about getting, you know, prepping and. But yeah, uh, but I think I think the locally, you know, this uh, this crabbing will will hang on here for a while because of some of the protection that the commercial guys get from other boats coming into the area. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Under, under a delay, so well, I think we'll have really strong crabbing here into January. Yeah. Okay, Andy, thank you so much for coming on. And we won't be on the air. Have a very Merry Christmas. All righty, Bob. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. After the break, we'll talk ducks. Well, there's nothing like a little rain for ducks. And... Um, of course, we need the water, and of course, it can be a catch-22 because too much rain spreads the ducks out. Kind of loses their pattern, but a guy that keeps a keen eye on that, of course, is none other than Chris Folster. Good morning. And that is Chris Folster. <laughs> he will call back. <laughs> anyway, uh, the refuge reports I mentioned earlier. Calusa had a great day last Saturday, 3.4 ducks per hunter. 
That's pretty doggone good. Number one bird, Spoonies. And number two bird, Gadwall. That was that way both days. Delavan had a good day last Saturday, 3.8 ducks per hunter. Number one bird, Spoonies. Sunday, 2.1. Spoonies. Is Chris? Okay. Anyway, it goes that way down the line. And you know, we still don't have our birds that we normally have. When you take a refuge like Little Dry Creek, which is usually one of the best shooting refuges we have, and last Sunday, not a bad average, 2.3 ducks per hunter. But you know what the number one bird was? A ringneck duck. And with that, we'll talk to Mr. Chris Fulster. Good morning. You, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I talked to a bunch of guys up north. They're getting ducks. They're, they say they see a lot of sprig, a lot of widgeon, a lot of teal, but not that many mallards. And a lot of they said a lot of water up there. Uh, I talked to a couple guys that their place was kind of flooded. But it seems like most of the birds are up north of us, you know. And we're yeah. not getting that many down here. Not that many down here. I mean, you know, we should be loaded with sprig and and widgeon and and, and teal, but. Uh, no, not many teal. We're getting some widgeon and a few spring, but we're getting mallards, which is kind of unusual, you know. Yeah. They're not getting many mallards up there. But with, with all this rain we had, you're right, there's a lot of water around. I mean, I live in the Delta, and there's water down there. We drive out here to the Duck Club, and you see water all over the place. Uh, and uh, and, it, and up in the, these rice fields that used to be kind of dry, you know, they got water in them now. Yeah. But I've talked, yeah. I talked to a bunch of guys up there in the rice fields, and they're not complaining at all, you know. And the refuges yeah. up north are doing a lot better than the refuges down this, down uh, like Yolo and down uh, south. Yeah, you know? sure, sure. So yeah, I, I, I noticed there, there has not been an influx like down at Los Banos. I think last Saturday I had a one bird per hunter average. That's not very good for down there. No, it it seems like it's but the center bypass kind of kind of like a wall there, and it it seems like even the. They have to cross the, the I-5. It seems like once they get across that I-5, you know, then we really get them. Now, we saw a lot of birds flying high. Uh, what's today, Saturday? Wednesday. A lot of birds flying high Wednesday. But uh, not many of them would work, and it was cloudy and stuff. But, uh, you know, we, we, we're not, you know, we get maybe seven, eight birds blind, but that, that's about it. We're not ha we're having trouble getting our limits. Yeah. And should, this time of year, we should not have any trouble getting the limits. But the guys getting all those birds up north, they got to be coming down here. Now, we're going to get rain the next. Of course, rain doesn't help out. We need a wind, you know, so I don't know yeah, what this rain sure. is going to do. This rain, this rain might even scatter the birds more because when they get fresh water, they love it, boy. They love that yeah. fresh water. Yeah. Well, but this weather and every, the cold weather and everything, that seems to help. I think the birds really do fly a little bit more when it's just cold. Oh, I, I agree. I just hope up – I – didn't look to see what Washington, Oregon's doing, but we sure like to get a really a cold deal up there. Then they really come down, yeah, yeah big yeah, time. Yeah. You know, so that's what we're kind of waiting for. But the birds, I think, naturally will start migrating anyway when it gets this late. You know, on it. So we yeah. think and we'll and we, we, everything's uphill. But like the teal, like when I didn't see many teal this weekend, but then the guys up there in my Dunnigan, they told me. That, that the big groups are here, like 50, 60, 70 in a group, you know. So they're there for a week or so, and then they decide to go someplace else. And you're, yeah. you're there where they are, you're going to get them, you know. 
But sure. the ducks are in the valley. Yeah, the ducks are in the valley. But, you know, they're just they're scattered, you know. Got to give we, it. We, we got to remember, you know, you talk about mallards, Chris, and what one single bird, one single duck is more apt to spread out when we get extra water, and that's the mallards. Oh, yeah. I mean, even down here, you know, in another club, you will see them in the ditches now, in pairs in yeah. the ditches instead of the open water. And even down in the delta, you know, where we farm, they start getting the ditches down there, and they go up the foothills. Mallard will do, will do that. Uh, the other ducks won't do that. But, uh, you know, we I guess we figure we get four or five miles, and I'd be happy, you know. But Well, I guess I like anybody would be happy with that. So, uh, okay, well, well yeah, listen, yeah. there's no there's no uh, program next week, so no, merry, merry gonna, Christmas was, to you. I was going to ask you that. No, I think I'm going to, I don't know, I, my wife asked me, are you going to go out Christmas Day? And I said, well, yeah, man, and then she kind of gave me a look, like, and I thought, oh, no, I think I better stay home. So I'm going to stay home. Okay. So Merry Christmas to you. Okay. Same to you, Chris, and good luck today. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Is Will Bear with us? Evidently not. So I guess Will isn't with us. Okay, uh, I talked to Peter Tira, Department of Fish and Wildlife, yesterday. And uh, because Christmas Day uh, is on a Saturday, all the refuges are going to close, but they have a system in place for the lottery picks. And I talked to Peter about that last night. There's uh, kind of a hitch in the get-along this year because Christmas Day is on a Saturday, which, of course, is a shoot day for all the refuges. And there's, there's uh, pardon the pun, but there's kind of a, a mixed bag of, of what's going on. Uh, explain, first of all, um, uh, usually on Saturdays, they, they get lottery picks for, for Sunday. Is that going to happen? So you're right, Bob. It's, it's the holidays. Uh, people have time off from work and school. Uh, a lot of folks want to squeeze in some duck hunting. So all of these state wildlife areas and federal refuges in the Sacramento Valley and the San Joaquin Valley will be closed Christmas Day for hunting. There will be no hunting okay. Christmas Day. Okay. However, the staff are going to show up at their usual lottery times, typically in the afternoon or the, the evening, kind of varies for each refuge, and they will be there to conduct the lottery, take names for the Sunday, December 26th shoot day. The only exception is Yolo. Yolo is uh, completely closed Christmas, and they will conduct their lottery on Wednesday, December 22nd for the so, December 26th shoot day. Okay, okay. But that's the only refuge doing it differently. Correct. Okay. So, um, well, uh, and we, and will the time vary? I guess the time will vary on what time those lottery numbers will be available, huh? Correct. It's their usual lottery times. Uh, they're all a little bit different depending on the area, but they're all typically in the late afternoon, early evening. Um, also good to note, January 1st is also a Saturday, New Year's Day, and all the refuges and wildlife areas will be open to hunting that day with their usual lotteries the night before. So um, that's good uh, for a holiday shoot day for folks looking uh, to do a little hunting New Year's Day. Yeah, that's that's the upside right there. Uh, back to the uh, but the Christmas weekend, um, or I should say, maybe what is it? Is it 
It's this weekend that uh, Sacramento and Delavan uh, make the uh, primary users at the blinds the juniors, isn't it? So this Saturday, correct, um, today is the annual in-season youth shoot at okay. the uh, well, Sacramento National wait, wait. Wildlife Refuge. Peter, first of all, we don't fool anybody. Today isn't really today. It's Friday. So tomorrow. Oh, sorry. Tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. The audience has bared with me on this because we always have. We don't pretend anymore. Yeah. Got so you. anyway, continue. Okay. So Saturday is the um, annual uh, in-season junior hunt at the Sacramento National Wildlife Refuge. Delavan held theirs last weekend, last Saturday, and it's uh, one day a year during the waterfowl season that the Sacramento Refuge um, reserves all of its blinds, all of its assigned ponds for junior hunters, junior license holders. They have to be accompanied by an adult, but the adult can't shoot, can't bring a shotgun. This is purely set up to be an in-season mentoring, coaching opportunity for the kids. I participated last year with my kids. The uh, federal staff and the CDFW staff, they do an outstanding job They're welcoming the kids. Um, they will help you pick blinds. They'll make sure, you know, the younger kids don't get uh, any ponds with deep water. If you show up with a strapping teenager, they'll kind of send you out. Uh, maybe we can get some geese. So they really try and give the kids the best possible experience. Um, it's just a great day. And uh, those blinds today will only be available for the kids. You can uh, you can do the lottery. You can walk on. You can even go in the afternoon and refill. So um, just a, a really a great event today. That's a, that's a, that is a great event. And keep that in mind for next year. I mean, <clears throat> uh, last week it was uh, one of them. The uh, this week the other Delavan and Sacramento, two of the big refuges, and they turn all the prime spots over to the juniors. So keep that in mind for next year. Also today, the Howard Slough Junior Hunts start on a completely separate piece of property. This property is two miles from the check-in, and uh, you, you check in, then you drive down there and go out to your blinds. It's pretty straightforward, but they're designed for junior blinds and junior hunts only, so you'll be able to see that on the Fish and Wildlife website. After the break, your shooting times and Mr. Dan Bacher. Don't go away. Here's the shooting times for today. Up in Eureka, it's 7.06 this morning. The Tule Lake Klamath Basin, 6.58. Calusa, 6.52. The Bay Area, 6.49. Sacramento, 6.48. And Los Banos, 6.41. Now let's welcome Mr. Dan Bacher. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? What's going on out there, Dan? Oh, the usual stuff. The <laughs> uh, complete capture of, of the regulators by the regulated. And that was the case in two hearings that I went to online this week. Uh, to sum it up, the California Water Commission on Wednesday voted to approve the staff findings to maintain sites reservoir projects eligibility for $800 million of project subsidies from Proposition 1. In other words, 
taxpayer money. Mm-hmm. They also voted to move forward with funding for Pacheco and Del Puerto Reservoirs. These are all off-river storage projects. In other yeah. words, they're, they're, you, you know, they're used to store Bay Del, or Delta yeah. and Northern California water. To, that would be used in the proposed Delta Tunnel. So uh, <laughs> this meeting, and this is, um, I don't think most people know about it, but I checked out the biographies of all the people running the meeting or, you know, that are members of the commission. And the meeting was run by Water Commission Chair Teresa Alvarado of San Jose. She's the regional Vice President, South Bay Central Coast for Pacific Gas and Electric Company. Unbelievable. Okay, that's who's running, you know, that's who's in charge of the public um, trust in our state, an official from PG&E. Just the, like, one company, the one company of all the companies in the state you cannot trust. Exactly. And... <laughs> And I, I looked over the. I'm not going to get into detail. I could I could do that sometime later. Yeah. But the other board members, they they also um, have various conflicts of interest. Two agribusiness interests, a guy from Calpine, and then a big um, corporate environmental group, Audubon Society, and then um, there are a couple other people that weren't didn't have as as many conflicts of interest but i mean you basically have the fox running or guarding the hen house yeah exactly or the, exactly or the big or the great white shark you know guarding yeah. the anchovies so well you know it, it's interesting because this proposition 14 i mean proposition I forget the name of it, but it was from 2014, right? That's the one you're talking about, where they're getting 900 million dollars. Yep. Yep. Yeah. See, when, when they, when everybody was lobbying for that proposition, they didn't tell you that your money was going to go to build reservoirs specifically for agribusiness interests. Exactly. And but then again, it's deceitful as usual if it has to do with water. When you have the commission that has energy companies and, and agribusiness folks running it, yeah. then yeah. Uh, this is what you can expect. And it was, it's, it was it's, it's, it's another say. taxpayer ripoff, and it puts, once again, it puts agri- agriculture far above any other uh, priority with water in California, including the people. Exactly. And the treatment of people at the, at the meeting that were speaking, it was very clear. They didn't really care what they had to say. They were just going yeah. through the motions. I mean, there wasn't mm-hmm. even an attempt. And at one point, the the uh, Teresa Alvarado, the, the as, again, the... Sure chair of the commission and the regional um, president south bay central coast for pacific gas and electric company very rudely interrupted the vice chair of the shingle springs rancheria or 
um, tribe of, of um, Miwok Indians and didn't allow her to finish her statement. And ironically, the statement that she was going to make, the one paragraph she wouldn't allow to say or um, because of, of the three-minute deadline or that they set, was about tribal consultation and their violation of it. I mean, it was it was a, it was a complete and total farce. Yeah, I, I, I know. gotta say, I know. probably, if not the worst, definitely one of the worst means I've ever been to in the way that the that the commission conducted it. It was appalling. Well, I'll tell you what. That's all we have time for, and that's good enough because. I think people are disgusted enough with California water politics. It is it is as corrupt as it gets. And you know it, I know it, the people on this station that listen here know it, and the people that read the fish sniffer know it. The mainstream media doesn't know it. Mr. Bacher, there's no program next week. Merry Christmas to you. Have a Merry wonderful Christmas. week. You, you have a, a nice uh, Saturday off. Okay, thanks, Dan. Okay, after the break, we're going to talk to Robbie Dunham about Comanche trout. Don't go away. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.